Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Adam, it's been what feels like 84 years since the Broncos' last win. So, for those listening to this post-game podcast, we're not exactly sure what the hell to do. Yeah, this is uh, this is new territory for us in 2019, and it's been oh so long. I I, I don't know uh, when was the last time the Denver Broncos won a football game. Was it last December? Does that feel? It was last December. So we're talking ten months, ten months of not winning, of not winning, of plopping it out there and expecting it to perform. Ooh, that was that was well placed, well plopped. As it were, well plopped. But but now we do get to talk about a Broncos win, and it, it feels good, right? I, I mean, bask in the warm orange and blue glow of a, of a victory in Los Angeles. That's what Broncos country gets to do after a, a full month of losing in the regular season. That's, that's what it was, four weeks of losing. And I think people were starting to go a little crazy, perhaps you and I included. I think what made us crazy is they should have won two games. They yeah, should have yeah, won minimum. their two home games. Yeah. That that's why it feels like 
they were bad. I mean, I know it's cliche. I know, I know it's the thing that teams say, but this team wasn't 0-4. It wasn't an 0-4 team. Obviously, they didn't do enough to win, but they should have won those two games. And as I told my wife after I got done doing the winners and losers, and if you haven't read it at milehighreport.com yet, I didn't list any losers because this wasn't the game to do it. I just wanted to list the winners. And as you said before we started recording, you get a car, you get a car, right. you get a car. There was 12 winners. and But it, it wasn't – it's not an 0-4 team. This team really should be 3-2. and two. Yeah, I think I think so. Three and two, they could even be four and one. I mean, they had opportunities in other games as well. But if you if you just focus on this game, uh, the playing the Chargers on the road is really playing the Chargers at home. And scroll through your Twitter feeds, people, and you can see Chris Harris Jr. talking about it being a like a home game. Uh, you can check out Joe Flacco's quote about it being like a really nice IAA stadium. Like he was trying to pay him a compliment and it ends up looking like a bit of a, a shot at the Los Angeles Chargers stadium. Uh, you know, when you play on a soccer field, right? Isn't that just the way it goes? But this was a good win and it was a good win for a, a lot of reasons. It gets Vic Fangio his first win, which is great. It gets the franchise their 500th win in franchise history, which is great. And it it sort of releases a lot of the pressure that everybody was feeling when you are watching a team that you know should have more wins and just like you said they should be at least two and two but they didn't finish you get that win and there's a there's a pressure valve that gets opened up and i think that what you will see moving forward and i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves but i think it will be something that allows them to play a little looser you could tell in some of those other games, there was a tightness to the way that they played. This this opens things up. This opens the doors. And so uh, beating the Chargers is always fun. Getting a, a division win on the road is a huge deal, even at 0-4, because it really signifies this season isn't over yet. The season isn't over. Everybody wanted to write them off for dead, and I guess maybe there's a pulse. I think one of the things I liked most about the game is what happened afterwards in the locker room when John Elway gave the game ball to Vic Fangio and immediately turned around and gave it back to the players and specifically gave it to Alexander Johnson. And I think that's why the players are so sold and bought into Vic Fangio. And I think that's why players have been over the course of his long career of coaching in the National Football League. And I think that's what's going to lead to the Broncos getting over the hump, even if it's not this season. But I, I, I think, as we said throughout the course of that, that four-game losing streak, is it's just going to require patience. And I think you started to see the fruits of that come to life on Sunday. And it wasn't pretty. There were still things that need to be worked out. But when you get a win and you get a win on the road and you do it in the division – against a team that has the hopes of of making a playoff run as Philip Rivers and the Chargers do it's a big win not just because it's your first of the season and the 500th for the franchise it's a big win yeah big is big is the operative word there absolutely and you know i i got to say i love the way they started uh they got the ball on offense and and they drove down and they scored a touchdown 
it, it, in like four minutes, right? It was a little less than four minutes. Seven plays, and, and Philip Lindsay ends up scoring a touchdown on, on a on a, a a nice run up the middle as I stutter through that one, like he stuttered through the line. And well, well played. Thank you. It was great to watch. It was great to watch. It was great to see them come out and execute. And that was something that I think a lot of us wanted them to do. And they have done that to a point, but this just felt different. They they executed on almost every play. There was nothing in that first drive that indicated that there were any problems. And they just marched right down the field and scored. And then the defense turned around and, and forced a punt. And then they marched right down the field again. And scored. It was great. And the the second touchdown was the Cortland Sutton 70-yard touchdown catch and run, which was a phenomenal play on Sutton's part and and really fun to watch. And, again, it was one of those things where everybody executes and it all works out, and, and boom, they score another touchdown. It was a fast start. It put the Chargers on their heels, and it was exactly how you would script the start of a game. I think what we saw on Sunday was complimentary football. You saw the offense do what it needed to do, and you saw the defense complement the offense. There was a little, there were some hiccups in the third quarter, especially with the offense, but I think that was based on field position and not trying to do too much, even though Joe Flacco threw a tipped interception, which I don't put on, I don't put on Flacco. That was just a great play by the defensive lineman who, who tipped the pass and it got picked off. But I, I think you saw complementary football. There are some things that you can start to build on here. And the two things that really stand out to me from this game is the Broncos rushing offense and the Broncos rushing defense. Philip Lindsay had 15 carries for 114 yards and a touchdown. Royce Freeman had 61 yards on 13 carries. In terms of the rushing offense, that means the Broncos rushed the ball for 32 times for 191 yards. If you do that, you're going to win football game in the National Football League. Yeah. And the reason that it's complimentary is because after what happened in the second half against Leonard Fournette and the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we specifically called out the Broncos' rush defense for being soft and completely manhandled, They flipped the script on Sunday against the Chargers, and they held the San Diego or the San Diego, Uh the Los Angeles Chargers. It's a dollar in the jar, people. To 35 (laughs) yards on 16 carries. They held an NFL offense to 35 yards with Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. Yeah, that's uh... tip of the cap. To the Broncos' rush defense. Here's a here's a fun one for you. The 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 Chargers rushed for 35 yards on 16 carries. That's a little more than two yards per carry. Philip Lindsay, 15 carries for 114 yards. That's 7.6 yards a carry. And I'm just going to go with Philip Lindsay because that's the easiest one for me to do. The rest of the math is too hard. I see the Philip Lindsay one in the little stat line that I have for him. 7.6 yards a carry. Royce Freeman had 4.7 yards per carry. They they won that game up front. And, and I think that that's the other aspect of this. One of the ways that you demoralize the other team, and we know this from listening to guys like Mark Schlereth talk about it when they talk about blocking for Terrell Davis and, and things like that. 
one of the ways you demoralize the other team is you beat them in the trenches. You you run the ball on them and you stop them when they run. And that is something that the Broncos did in this game better than I've seen them do and I don't know how long. And that's the point of the complimentary football thing. You beat them in the trenches on both sides of the ball and that is how you win the game. It was it was fun to watch. It was a great way for them to start the game. It sort of bogged down after a little while. Let's let's you know let's let's not forget that there was a bit of a lull there in the scoring. But that being said, the defense kept coming out and kept doing its job, and the offense really was able to limit the damage in the middle of that game, especially in that third quarter, like you talked about with bad field position and whatnot. It was it was a good game to watch. It was a good win for the Broncos. In terms of specific players, obviously Philip Lindsay. Royce Freeman, Cortland Sutton, but defensively, I I can't say enough about Kareem Jackson and Alexander Johnson. Holy smokes, Kareem Jackson was flying around the field. And I think it I think he showed how vital he is to the defense because the rush defense was a lot better with him on the field. And and major kudos to Mike Purcell as well for stepping in as a starter and completely helping the Broncos dominate up front. But Kareem Jackson and then Alexander Johnson. Yeah, absolutely. I, there's To me, there's no doubt that Alexander Johnson should be starting next to Todd Davis. I think he will be. I think that's what you're going to see moving forward. The, the Kareem Jackson one, I, I just go back to that play at the end of the half. At the pylon, Austin Eckler's going to go in and score. He's going to change the shape of the game. And instead, Kareem Jackson goes flying down the line, slams into him, jars the ball loose. It it had sort of the makings of the, the Will Parks play against Pittsburgh last season where right at the goal line, a defensive player hurls his body <laughs> into, the, into, into the fray and the ball goes out of bounds as a touchback. And that's how the, the, the half ends. That's a huge momentum shift right there. It looked like they were going to go in and score. It looked like that the Chargers were going to have the momentum coming out of the second half. And instead, they didn't. And so that was huge as well. That, that Kareem Jackson play is is the one that stands out, I think, in a lot of people's minds as maybe the turning point of the game, to be quite honest. And then you're right, Alexander Johnson, uh, he had an, an interception, right? Am I, am I right when I say that? He Just, did, and he should have had two. Should have had two. He had an opportunity for another one. Justin Simmons with the first uh, interception gets the first turnover of the season for the Broncos defense. So you can see things are sort of coming together. You, you, If you take those four losses and you look at the teams that they played and you look at the way that they played those teams and, and the outcomes, this game right here against the Chargers was the game that sort of was the culmination of a lot of things coming together. That doesn't mean, like you said, that doesn't mean it was a perfect game. And I, I certainly have a few complaints that we can talk about, but it was a perfect victory in that they did what they had to do to win and took care of business when they had the opportunity to take care of business. I'm going to mention one other player who I think really stood out, and it's Malik Reed, because there there was a lot of pressure on him, and there's going to be when you try to replace a guy like Bradley Chubb. You can't you can't replace a Chubb. It's no. it's very difficult. When a Chubb is down, it's down, 
and it's it's hard to bring another chub in. There's just there's just no other chub out there. But Reed definitely rose to the occasion, as Chubb would have done. Well played. Well played indeed. We're on a bit of a roll here. Uh, but in terms of Malik Reed, he only finished with two tackles. But I, as I said in my winners and losers, I don't think that does justice to how well he actually played for the Broncos defense. Yeah, I, I would love, I'd be curious to see some of the advanced statistics that, that some, you know, places like um, football outsiders and, and pro football focus do just because they, you know, they go through the, the pressures and all those things that don't actually show up in a regular stat line. So I'd, I'd be curious to see what his impact was beyond those just, you know, quarterback hits and, and things like that. Those things are, are important uh, and they, and they play into how a game works out. So you're right. Malik Reed was, was able to hold his own on the opposite side. And, and that's what you need to help free up Von Miller. Von Miller is going to make plays. He's going to have an impact on the game. And I think he had a, a pretty good impact on this game. He was pretty much all over the place as well, but he wouldn't have been if Malik Reed hadn't played as well as he had. And so I think that it was very important that Malik Reed sort of stepped up and, and showed out a little bit, and he certainly did. So that was a, that was a big one for the Broncos. In terms of the the negatives that we both have, I, I'm going to mention mine. I I mentioned my key to the game is is finish, and I, I wouldn't say that they they finished as Fangio as Vic Fangio said they survived or they held on. So that would be one of the things that I would like to see. And again, offensively, I think in the third quarter, it was more about field position and not wanting to do too much. So I, I totally get that. But the big one for me, and I think it, it's it's worth mentioning that they finally won the turnover battle. They forced three turnovers. They only gave the ball away twice. But the penalties – the Broncos committed 12 penalties on Sunday. That's going to have to be something that Fangio and the coaching staff continues to look at because that it's never a good thing when you commit double-digit penalties, especially on the road. I think that speaks to how well they played and were able to they were able to finally overcome some of the mistakes that the first four games ended up costing them. Yeah, I I agree with that. Uh, my key to the game was the third quarter. Let me let me read to you the the series that that uh, took place during the third quarter. The the Chargers had the ball to, ball to start the third quarter. They went uh, three plays, uh, punt. Broncos four plays, punt. Chargers five plays, punt. Broncos three plays, punt. Chargers three plays, punt. And then there was a, a Broncos interception. And then the then the Chargers threw an interception. Thank you, Phyllis. Uh, and then the Broncos punted and allowed a touchdown. That was the the punt return for a touchdown, which is not good. And then the Broncos got the ball. They ran 11 plays, and, and then Brandon McManus missed a field goal. Not exactly a, a third quarter to remember by the offense. The defense did for the most part what they needed to do, uh, and and held Sandy. Or, uh oh, I, I almost said it. Held Los Angeles's offense in check for the most part but it was one of those things where it would have been nice for them to come out after that Kareem Jackson hit on Austin Eckler after sort of snatching momentum back to come out make a stop and then put some points on the board and and they weren't able to do that they were able to hang on and and played well enough in the fourth quarter but I would have liked to have seen that and that goes to my other point as far as a negative goes and and I'm curious what your thought is on this 
I just don't see the offense as having a killer instinct. And and that's my that's kind of the big problem I have right now with Rich Scangarello. And I'm and by no means saying that this is on him hundred percent, but it is kind of first time play caller and for as an offensive coordinator. I can understand that he might have some issues here as far as finding a rhythm and understanding the things that you need to do to sort of get that killer instinct and go down and score points when you've got a team down. I mean, when you're winning a game 17 to nothing, it feels really good. But after that punt return for a touchdown, 17 to 7 didn't feel as good, right? And then the Chargers were able to get a field goal. Now it's 17 10. The Broncos' offense isn't really putting points on the board. That, to me, is a problem. That's something where they should have beaten Jacksonville by coming out in the second half and slamming the door, and they couldn't do that either. So this is a, this is an area where there is a need for improvement. Rich Scangarello and the offense need to figure out a way to, when you get up big, which is great, now you've got to go ahead and, and you got to kill. you got to get that killer instinct. you got to put the team away. you got to just be be willing to go out and go for the jugular. And I didn't see that in this game. They got the win, and we're all very happy about it. But I didn't see the killer instinct in that third quarter. I think what should give you excitement and the rest of the fans excitement about that is the way Philip Lindsay ran on what eventually became the field goal from Brandon McManus that gave them a two-possession score. And that was... I said it in my winners and losers. I said that 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 run on third and long by Philip Lindsay to get them back into field goal range epitomizes Philip Lindsay and the heart and the grit that he plays with. So I think that's where they can, as an offense, they can look at the at the film when they watch it and say, "Yep, that's what we need to do throughout the course of the whole game." Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a great observation because that that is a killer instinct that I think you can lean on. And he, as a player, like you said, is one of those guys that has – he's just got something, right? I, I, the cliche, he has it, right? We hear that all the time. You hear it because it's, it's something that has merit. And Philip Lindsay has it, whatever it is. He's got the killer instinct. He's got the desire, the want, the the push. He's got that chip on his shoulder. Every play, he believes he is going to beat the man across the line from him. And he usually does. And this game was a, a perfect example of that. And, and you do make a good point. He has the killer instinct. He went out there and said, we need this many yards. We need to get We need to get this done. And they were able to do that which is wonderful. I just, I need the rest of the offense to, to join in on that, right? We need we need Rich Scangarello and the rest of the offense to sort of go along with Philip Lindsay and also have that killer instinct. But it's I, it's a good win. It, it, it's a huge win. And I, I, I think we also have to give credit to Vic Fangio. We did it at the top with how he gave the game ball from John Elway. He gave it away to to the to the players and to Alexander Johnson. But kudos and and mile high salute to Vic Fangio for getting his first career win as a coach. It's it, it I really do feel like, and we said this on our podcast earlier last week, pregame previewing the game against the Chargers, that he is the right guy for this job, not just to get them over the hump or get them to the hump, but over it 
and well past it. He's not somebody like a, a Wade Phillips or a John Fox who gets the team right up to the precipice, but then you have to go and get somebody like a Gary Kubiak to finish the job. I don't feel like that's Vic Fangio. I feel like he is the right guy to do both. And it, it, it just is going to take patience and some time. And hopefully this is the win that allows Broncos country to breathe. And then the other, the other thing that we talked about, and you mentioned this, is Broncos country. The way they showed up in Southern California is a testament to those fans. And even Vic Fangio noticed. As he said after the game, the Broncos fans that we had here were great. I was told that it would be that way, but until you experience it here, you really don't know. It speaks well of Broncos Nation. Or what am I supposed to? Broncos country. Sorry. When you're with one of the flagship franchises, I was with the Bears recently, and they travel well. The Niners travel well. And you have to put the Broncos in that category as well. And my bold prediction was that there are actually going to be more Chargers fans in attendance for the game on Sunday. And apparently they all listened to me and wanted to prove me wrong. So yeah. I'll go ahead and take credit for that. Yeah, that's all on you. Nice job. Way to way to get them, Ian. That was that was good stuff. Yeah, it's it is cool uh, to to see that and to have him acknowledge that. And so you know, we talked about it at the top of the show. Chris Harris Jr. even mentioned it. Uh, this was it's a home game. The fact that Broncos country showed up even at zero and four speaks volumes. It's it's a huge testament to the fans, and and I think that that's a something that. Uh, can also be built on because it gets frustrating when it's in Denver <laughs> and it doesn't go that way. But that's, you know, I, I, I digress on that. I think people will continue to show up for sure. Uh, anything else we want to touch on here? I think it's just a great way for Broncos country to breathe, soak in the wind, breathe it in. It's been 84 years since we've been able to feel this way. So just enjoy it. Sit back, be patient, and know that, yeah, the Broncos are on the right path. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.